This is Histories and Mysteries. I'm Ashley. And I'm Rochelle. And on today's episode, I am going to be going over the second and final part of The Watcher. Mm. And Rochelle is doing The Hat Man. Yep. And that's all I'm giving you. Okay. I've never heard of it, but it sounds creepy. (laughs) (laughs) So we wanted to give a little thank you to our listeners because um, a lot of you have been here since the very, very beginning. And we so, so appreciate you. Um, Even I haven't been here since the beginning. So like, (laughs) get on you. (laughs) So what we want to do is we've got some uh, merch made, uh, some stickers of our podcast. So if you email us at historiesandmysteries515 at gmail.com with your name and mailing address, we want to send you a free sticker. So uh, please send us your mailing address out and uh, we can send you some free merch. Oh, if you have any ideas for our 100th episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, what should, what should we do? Yeah, we're coming up on that. We got, what, 14 episodes left till our 100? Yeah, pretty close. Well, 13 after this. Maybe I'll make another game. Ooh, that'd be fun. So email us at historiesandmysteries515 at gmail.com. Okay. Tell me why I'm right about this being a hoax. <laughs> so just a quick recap for anybody coming in. Um, I did the first part last week. So if you haven't listened, go listen to it. But basically this family moves into a $1.3 million house and they start getting these creepy letters and they can't figure out who is sending them. So after grappling with this for six months, they decided to put the house up for sale. It was their dream home, but after everything, they just couldn't move in. They were too scared. They initially listed the house for more than they paid because they had done so many renovations, but like rumors had already started swirling about the house and what was going on. Um, And you know how rumors go. They get way out of hand and way crazier than the actual story. So they did have one interested party, but she said she heard crazy rumors and needed to know the truth before she bought it, which makes sense. So the broadest is sent over what they called a partial disclosure, where I guess they kind of talked about what the letters were, and they said that they would show the letters to anyone whose offer they accepted. They had some other bids, but they were well below asking price, and the broadest just weren't ready yet to lose that much money. So they were kind of like, well, let's, let's just kind of hold out and see what happens. But no other offers came in, um, even after they slightly lowered the price. One Caldwell agent emailed um, them and said that they were being too open about the letters and said that his friend got a really bad threatening letter about her dog barking and she didn't even think to disclose that when she sold her house. So like they are probably telling too much. But Derek said, quote, I don't know how you live through what we did and think you could do it to somebody else. So they were always disclosing the letters to anybody that was interested in the house. After they thought about this interaction with the Coldwell real estate agent, they kind of started to get mad at the previous owners, the Woods, because they're like, they didn't disclose the letter to us. And now we're in this situation. But the Woods did say that they only got one letter right before they moved and they had lived there for 20 plus years and never received another letter. So they thought it was weird, but not threatening and definitely not something that you need to tell 
you know, future buyers. But uh, the broadest has said that even though that might be true, the name, the watcher alone should have had them disclose it. So the broadest has actually decided to sue the woods, which this is the only step in the process where I think they were in the wrong. Yeah. Like it doesn't concern me. Yeah. Like what you're, what people have done there before, like uh, for, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I agree. Something's fishy. <laughs> Uh, They were afraid that the story might get out because their kids still didn't know anything about it and they didn't really want their kids to find out because they didn't want them to be scared. Uh, And they figured that with the suing... (laughs) Imagine it, like, is the kids. Oh, God. (laughs) It's, like, very... That would be awful. Can you even imagine? (laughs) So they figured they'd probably just get, like, a small private settlement and nothing more would come of it, but... Boy, were they wrong. Oh, no. The first news station to pick up the story was the freaking Today Show. Do you guys know what that is in Canada? The Today Show? It's like breakfast TV, kind of. Yeah, it's a really big morning TV news show. It's broadcast uh, nationally. So after that, the story went viral. It was so creepy. Everybody wanted to know about it. Reporters started camping outside of the house one reporter put out his own lawn chair to conduct his own watch. And the broadest were like, all right, this is too much. We need a break. So they go to, they decided to go stay at their friend's beach house and take like a mini vacation away from everything. Well, it wasn't a great vacation because while they were there, Maria's grandpa had a heart attack and the friend they stayed with had a grand mal seizure. Like they could not catch a break. Yeah. Isn't that awful? And the news of everything went, wild through the small town it called out all of the armchair detectives some people would use google Maps street view where they were like trying to see if they could like find any cars and there was like a car on google Maps street view parked outside of the address and they swore you could see a man holding a camera sitting in the front seat but other people were like no that's just pixelated glare like there's nothing there Some thought it was maybe an angry mistress or, quote, mall goths having fun. Rochelle, what is a mall goth? (laughs) Well, coming from somebody that formerly worked at Hot Topic, (laughs) I'm assuming it is those kind of children that roam around and and, uh, loiter in a topic for way too long. Yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> I just laughed at that. Uh, they're not harmful. They may try and steal some pins or stickers, <laughs> but I don't think that they're <laughs> doing this. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> and some people were even really mean and were calling the broadest as wimps for not moving in. So now that the whole neighborhood knew what was going on, people had their opinions on Michael Langford, that kind of odd neighbor. Some didn't think it was him. They said he was a diagnosed schizophrenic at a young age. And because of this, he just came off as odd or spooky to people, but he was really harmless. He would even go out of his way to get his neighbor's paper every morning for him. So People said he's he's harmless. He's just people think he's weird because he has schizophrenia, which is rude. Um, but they're like, no, he's fine. 
And even though the police had given up on the investigation, the private detective that the Broadduses hired had not. He actually found out that the police ran a DNA analysis on one of the envelopes and found out that the DNA belonged to a woman. Ooh, that's I like that because I still think this is a fucking hoax. <laughs> so if it's like a mastermind of a lady, I like that. Lady mastermind. Yeah. So they thought, okay, well, maybe it's a different member of the Langford family. And there was Abby, the sister, and she was a real estate agent. So she would have had that prior knowledge to the sale of the house. She also worked at Lord and Taylor. So uh, Chambliss, the private investigator, got with a security guard there and had him swipe one of her water bottles to test the DNA. And it was not a match. Ah. A little bit after that, prosecutors told Derek and Maria that they couldn't say why and they couldn't say how, but they had ruled out the Langfords. But Derek was suspicious. Uh, They were just about to file civil charges against the Langfords and thought that maybe the prosecution didn't want the story blowing up again. After all, they hadn't solved it, so it probably looked bad for their small town. But the Broadduses would not be deterred. They were determined to find out who was doing this. They took a picture of the handwriting on an envelope and went door to door in the neighborhood, hoping someone would recognize the handwriting. Like maybe they had sent, you know, Christmas cards or something, but no one recognized anything. They even hired a neighbor who owned a security firm to look for any handwriting matches, but he didn't find anything to go on either. They thought about hiring a hacker to hack into the neighbor's Wi-Fi and look for any documents, but that was super illegal and more difficult than they had anticipated, so they decided not to do that. Mm. Police were stumped, too. They were still looking into it, but they didn't have anything to go on. On a whim, they interviewed and tested the DNA of the previous owners, the Woods, but that didn't match either. But... There was something that police had missed the first time around. Another neighbor received a similar note right around the time Derek and Maria first moved in. They had adult children and had been living there for years, but didn't think anything of it and just threw the letter out. But with all of this, the neighborhood started their own theory and they thought that the Broadduses sent themselves the letters. They thought that they were having buyer's remorse, so they did this to get out of the sale, or it could have been an insurance fraud, or heck, even them wanting a movie deal. But the Broadduses were approached by several movie authors and turned them all down. Lifetime did a movie anyway, and the Broadduses actually sent them a cease and desist letter, but Lifetime said, oh, no, 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 this is different, because... Our couple is biracial and the creep in our couple is called the Raven, not the watcher. Totally different. (laughs) But the neighborhood turned against them. They thought the Broadduses were con artists, basically using the argument. We've lived here for so many years and this has never happened to me because that's always a legitimate argument. I hate that argument. They were worried that the coverage of this would bring down their neighborhood's good name, you know, because they're the richy rich neighborhood. 
it also didn't look like the Broadduses were going to win their lawsuit against the Woods. Um, there wasn't any law that said they had to close to close that or anything similar. Some states do have laws that like you have to disclose if someone was murdered in the house or anything like that. But um, New Jersey didn't have anything about like the watcher letters or whatever. Um, but Derek thought, OK, well, we can't sell it. Maybe we can rent the house to the Department of Veteran Affairs or like a company that runs halfway homes because it's a huge house. But nothing came of that. So in 2016, they put it back on the market. They even held an open house and several people showed up. The Broadduses at this point, they're just spiraling. And they spent all night comparing handwriting from the guest book to the letters, hoping that maybe the watcher had come by, but nothing really popped out. And everyone who was interested ran as soon as they had that disclosure of the letters. Their real estate lawyer suggested selling their house to a developer that could rip the house down and split the lot. It was the biggest lot in the neighborhood, but the planning board required each lot to be at least 70 inches wide. And if they split the lots, it would be 67.4, I'm sorry, 70 feet wide, not 70 inches And if they split the lot, it would be 67.4 feet and 67.6 feet. So it was like a two point something difference. So they would need an exception to the rule. So when the idea was publicly announced, the Richie Riches got pissed. They did not want that lot split up. They did not want that house knocked down. So the planning committee had a hearing and a hundred people showed up to this hearing. Like, I bet that is the most people they've ever had at a committee hearing. Um, one neighbor went as far as to hire a lawyer to fight the proposal if need be. And so the police were like, well, maybe this lady's the, the watcher because she's pretty obsessed with this to hire a lawyer. Mm. The Broaddus's attorney pointed out that there were several other lots in the neighborhoods that were smaller than 70 feet, but the people complained that they might have to knock down trees and that the plans for the new house had (gasps) front garages, Rochelle, and that is aesthetically unpleasing. (laughs) So what the fuck? (laughs) So their proposal was denied. And while they're going through all of this, Maria's dad died unexpectedly as well. So they just cannot catch a break. And Maria was really upset by this because she grew up in this neighborhood. This was her home and her neighbors were turning on her on a dime. And she was just super upset. But after all this heartbreak, they did get a bit of good news. There was a family willing to rent the house. They weren't worried about the watcher, but they did have a clause in their lease that if um, the watcher sent another letter, they could get out of it. Uh, Two weeks after the lease was signed, Derek went to the house to deal with some squirrels in the roof and the renter handed him an envelope. It was from the watcher. It was dated for the day that the Broadduses gave deposition against the woods in their lawsuit. And it said, violent winds and bitter cold. The vile and spiteful Derek and his wench of a wench of a wife, Maria. You wonder who the watcher is? Turn around, idiots. Maybe you even spoke to me. One of the so-called neighbors who has no idea who the watcher could be. Or maybe you do know and are too scared to tell anyone. Good move. 
I walked by the news trucks when they took over my neighborhood and mocked me. I watched as you watched from the dark house in an attempt to find me. Telescopes and binoculars are wonderful inventions. 657 Boulevard survived your attempted assault and stood strong with its army of supporters barricading its gates. My soldiers of the Boulevard followed my orders to a T. They carried out their mission and saved the soul of 657 Boulevard with my orders. All hail the watcher. Maybe a car accident, maybe a fire, maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away, but makes you feel sick day after day after day after day after day. Maybe the mysterious death of a pet. Loved ones suddenly die. Planes and cars and bicycle crash. Bones break. So that's terrifying because that's the first time that the watchers actually threatened them. Like with bodily harm like that. But thankfully, mm. the renters agreed to say, stay if the Broadduses would install security cameras around the house. Derek immediately took to the letter to the police and the police drew a 300 diameter circle around the neighborhood and said it had to be, the watcher had to be in there. And Derek was like, um, how about this? It has to be one of these 10 houses, but there still wasn't anything else to go on. So the Broadduses just had to go on with their lives. The town was awful to them though. A lot of people thought it was a hoax that the Broadduses were doing and they would tease their kids in school or the family out in public. And when asked why they didn't move, Maria said because it was her home. She grew up there, and the watcher had already taken so much from them. Some good news, though. In July of 2019, the Broadduses were finally able to sell the house. So they bought the house for $1.3 million. They put $100,000 of renovations in it and sold it for $959,000. So they had quite a bit of loss. But they were finally out. And to this day, the watcher has never been found. And that, my friends, is the story of the watcher. So you still think it's a hoax, Rochelle? Yeah, I, I don't think it's like a... I think it's just somebody who's fuck, who's bored and creative. Yeah, I kind of lean in that way, too, because it's just so... Like, if somebody really thought that way, that's so mentally disturbed. I feel like there'd be other things in their life that would kind of point to that. But I don't think it's the Broadduses. I think they were just victims here. I don't know. I don't know. They, like, went a little too far with it, I think. Like, trying to see the other family. Yeah, I do think that was, yeah, I I am, I think that's where they slipped up in suing the other family. But, um other than that, I, I do feel bad for them. I think this was that I think they were the victims in this, but either way, that would be horrible and I would hate it. <laughs> Derek brought us though, like he looks guilty. You think he looks so Something. much different than I was expecting? He's just got that like I'm a white guy and <laughs> I get away with everything. He is a white look. guy. Um I did find his Twitter and he posts a lot of like advocacy like true crime stuff and a lot of um like black lives matter and you know um lgbtqia positive things so yeah because he knows he looks like the kind of person who's doesn't 
advocate. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Something's up somewhere. Like, and I hate that. Like, it's not solved. I know. I know. It's the worst. Ah. That's the worst part. Like, this whole time, I've just been scrolling, like, hoping to find, like, some sort of theory. But nothing. Uh-uh. Me to think that it's Maria. Oh, geez. You think it's Maria? Yeah. I think she's, like, because she, like, lived around there. Like, she knows the area. Like, she knows what's been going on. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. I still think maybe it ha- it's one of the Lang Langfords. Hmm, I think so. But who knows? Who knows? We maybe we'll find out one day. Maybe we never will. If you're the watcher, please just tell us. <laughs> it's over now. They moved out. We're not mad at you. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no one got hurt. It's fine. <laughs> All right, well, let's hear about a hat man. Okay. I was talking with my mom the other day, and she mentioned listening to the last episode we did. Uh-huh. Where I read out some real-life ghost stories. She said, I listened to your iPod last night. <laughs> I thought that was weird. <laughs> I'm sure any old iPods lying around my parents has to be beyond resurrection. Anyways, she meant the podcast. <laughs> And brought up one story in particular. Recalling the tale of the camper seeing the very tall man in the field, mm. she asks me, have you ever heard of the tall man in the hat? I hadn't, but what she described made me very excited to research it for this week. And this is different than Slender Man? It's different. Okay. I found many different versions of this hat man story. He appears to folks for a variety of reasons. Perhaps he'll appear to you next. Ooh, Rochelle, don't wish that on me. <laughs> I'll start by reading you one account. My experience with the hat man came in 1994 when I was about 14 years old. I was living with my grandmother and great-grandmother at the time at my home in Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville's in Tennessee, right? It says TN. Yes. 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 I had been staying up really late that night, and at about 2 a.m. in the morning, I found myself lying in bed and nodding off as I was watching TV. The lights were all off, and the only light that was in the room was coming from the TV set in front of me. From where I was lying in my bed, looking down towards my feet, I had a clear view all the way into and through my great-grandmother's room, which was just parallel to mine, as there was no door between my room and hers. I could also see into the hallway just on the far side of her room. Just inside the hallway was the doorway going into my grandmother's room. As I was lying there with the color covers pulled up to my face, nodding off, my eyes would open and fall, open and fall over and over again. And then at some point, something I heard on TV made a noise and caused me to wake up and open my eyes a little wider. Only this time, I saw something out of the corner of my eye. I have always had a fear about intruders and what I would do if someone ever broke into our home. For a brief moment, I thought the movement I was seeing might be my grandmother getting up to go to the bathroom. But as I moved my eyes more into focus, looking down through my great-grandmother's room into the hallway, I very quickly realized that it wasn't my grandmother. Mm. What I saw gripped me immediately with fear and dread. I saw a tall human-like figure 
and the figure looked like that of a man. The man had no distinguishable features whatsoever. I could see no eyes, no nose or mouth, only blackness. He looked like a shadow, only much darker. He had a very wide brim tacked and a long trench coat that flowed as he moved. I started to tremble. My heart began to race. At that moment, I came to the conviction that there was indeed an intruder in my house. As I watched him move in the back of my mind, I began to play out scenarios as to what he and I was going to do. Was I going to yell? Was I going to get up and run after him and try to fight him? He leaned his head and body into my great-grandmother's room and looked in, turning his head towards her and then toward me. I had my eyes closed as much as I could so I could still see him and yet still look like I was sleeping. He stood there for what seemed like an eternity, just staring. He then moved very slowly and without sound back into the hallway just out of view. As I kept watching, I then saw his blacker than black figure move towards my grandmother's room. Just like before, he leaned his body and head in our doorway, looking at her, again, not making a sound. Ugh. He then leaned back and moved out of view into the hallway. At this point, I didn't know what else to do. I was convinced that we had some kind of burglar in the house. Yeah. So I summed up as much courage as I could, jumped out of bed yelling and charged into the hallway, ready for a fight. I turned the hallway and he was gone. I'd like to think that if I ever had an intruder, I would fight, but I don't know, ma'am. That's so scary. I know, right? Obviously, my yelling and screaming startled and woke up my grandmother and great-grandmother. I told them what had happened and needless to say, we didn't go back to sleep for a long time. And when we did, we left the light on. After my experience that night and during the next day, I spent a lot of time talking with my family about what had happened. I was surprised to know that my experience with the man with the hat and cape was not the only one that had happened in that house. Oh. As it turned out, both my grandmother and great-grandmother had seen the same thing. No. My grandmother relayed to me that a few nights prior, she had woken up in the middle of the night and she saw a dark figure walk past her doorway in the dim light of the hallway. Since it looked like it was wearing some kind of flowing robe, she thought it was her mother, my great-grandmother, getting up to go to the bathroom wearing her evening robe. Then, too, my great-grandmother told me that she, also on a separate occasion, had seen the same dark, shadowing being lurking in the house at night. I honestly didn't know what to make of it all, and over the years, as time passed, I had grown very antagonistic against the whole thing, brushing it off as mere happenstance, a figment of my imagination, or perhaps the result of my nodding off and being in that in-between place of being half asleep and half awake. That's probably what I would, you know, try and reason it off to be. Mm-hmm. I thought about it every now and then, but re- relegating it to the back part of my mind, paying little attention to it. I would continue to feel this way about the experience until about the year 2001. That's when everything changed. I was driving a long distance one night, hitting the scan button to see if I could find something to listen to on the radio to help pass the time. The station landed on 1510 WLAC on a show called Coast to Coast AM with George Nori. It was probably 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. when the show came on. They were doing a show on what was called Shadow Beings. Ooh, I it was that. the first time I had ever heard of something like that. As I listened to the show, nothing could prepare me for what I heard next. George Nori and the guests went on to describe people's experiences with one particular shadow being a dark man-like figure 
with a large wide brim hat and a cape. Immediately, I felt chills run down my spine. I knew at that moment that what had happened to me as a teenager was not a figment of my imagination and was definitely not the result of me nodding off. I had seen what these people were describing exactly. So the hat man is one of those things that seems really hard to believe it could exist until you yourself have experienced it. Unlike ghost hunting detection gear that is able to obtain viable evidence of the ghost world, there isn't really anything like that set up for the existence of Hatman. Is it a myth? Is it an interdimensional being? Is it nothing more than an episode of sleep paralysis? It's easy to dismiss this as a spooky dream, but the nightmarish figure keeps popping up in reports all around the world. The experience of Hatman crosses borders and time periods. There's a blog that is dedicated to people writing about their experiences with it called the Hat Man Project, which was started by Tim Brown, the man from that first story I read. Mm. The question looming is that if it's sleep paralysis, how and why do so many experience the same thing? Who or what is the Hat Man? For about as long as written records have existed, people have described a frightening nighttime vision that paralyzes them with fear and seems to suck the breath right out of their chests, often by pressing down on them. The entity has stalked humans throughout history and never adheres to a particular society or era. Folklore from Newfoundland describes an old hag who sits upon sufferers' chests as they sleep. Sleep researchers simply call it sleep paralysis. When one experiences an episode of sleep paralysis, they're in the process of falling asleep or waking up. You find yourself completely awake, but unable to move or speak. And it's often reported the afflicted person sees a shadowy or indistinct shape approaching them. Didn't you say you had sleep paralysis at one point, Rochelle? Yep. I have been unlucky enough to experience several episodes of sleep paralysis throughout my life. And I can single-handedly tell you just how terrifying it can be. Sleep paralysis is actually quite common. About 8% of people regularly experience this phenomenon. Not only do people claim to see shadow figures, the visions of other spooky things like spiders and other insects are often seen. Did you see anything? (laughs) I have seen the spiders and I have, um, I have this like waking up feeling like I'm in the, like in the middle of the ocean and all I can see are waves and and like calling for like my mom or someone to come and help me but she was like I would find out there the whole time but I didn't see her or often like have these like auditory hallucinations where I would like hear music or like hear a radio and constantly be asking to like turn the radio off oh that's terrifying I'm so sorry super weird yeah I don't have it as much anymore like when I was younger I used to have like uh, night terrors and fever hallucinations and oh god but every once in a while I'll still get like a sleep paralysis episode and it sucks yeah but some experts have theorized the idea of the hat man being subconscious reworkings of figures from popular culture including popular horror films psychologist Christopher French suggests Freddy Krueger from a nightmare on Elm Street being a good candidate for the hat man image oh yeah However, a paper published in 2017 by leading neuroscientists 
Baland Jalal and V.S. Ramachandran. It's probably not that at all. (laughs) (laughs) Neurological theories for why people hallucinate shadowy figures during sleep paralysis. You're most likely to have emotionally charged dreams during REM sleep. Rapid eye movement, if you didn't know. (laughs) Wow, that sounded very condescending. I'm sure you know. Not talking down to you. (laughs) I bring... (laughs) Sometimes I think I'm funny. I think you're funny. (laughs) Our brain paralyzes our body to ensure we don't hurt ourselves. Unfortunately, sometimes our brain wakes up while we are in this paralyzed state, and the super vivid and terrifying dreams of REM sleep can spill over REM sleep. Is it REO Speedwagon or Rio Speedwagon? That's a trivia question for my readers. You're not reading this. You're listening to it. (laughs) Shouldn't be allowed to have a platform like this. (laughs) (laughs) The theory is that the part of the brain responsible for processing the body map is the body map itself is disturbed, often resulting in the dreamer projecting a human-like figure. Hmm. A number of religions, legends, and belief systems describe what they what are known as shades, shadowy spiritual beings or supernatural entities. There isn't consensus on whether these figures are good, bad, or something else entirely. So what are these shadow people? It's certain these dark apparitions aren't human, but with all kinds of theories about their existence, no one really knows what they are or where they came from. The hat man is believed to be one of them, and although he's extremely mysterious, many witnesses claim he's over six feet tall and always wears a hat. According to creepy stories about the phantom hat man, he appears during times of emotional turmoil or distress and will often observe you as you sleep. Humanity may never know his true identity, but if he ever pays you a visit, consider yourself special. Oh, I would not feel special. Some UFOologists cannot believe that's a real thing. That's real cool. (laughs) Do you have to like go to school for that? Or can I just call myself that? I feel like you can just call yourself that. (laughs) Believe hat man could be an alien species observing people. Oh, I like that. That's cool. That's kind of cool. Data, have you like heard the theory that like aliens and are like future humans? No. And that's why their like heads are so big because our brains we evolved to you know how when we started evolving we had teeny weeny brains? Yeah. Only big bodies. And we're going backwards essentially. Our brains are getting bigger. And so we don't need like the big bodies fight ourselves off anymore. And so the idea is that aliens of like how we know them are like future here like what we're going to evolve into and they're just coming back to the past to like learn about it yeah (gasps) i love that is that crazy yeah i love that theory that's and that's why they have like big ass heads and little bodies (laughs) i don't want to look like that like i don't want to evolve into that i like how we look right now i think we're kind of (laughs) cute maybe hat man thinks they're cute too and that's why he just watches sleep that's creepy but maybe (laughs) 
like not comforting, Rochelle. <laughs> no. Don't watch me sleep. <laughs> Data collected on Hatman has predominantly been firsthand accounts of people's experience. People describe an entity watching either from a doorway, closet, or corner of a room. Most accounts say observation is all that happens, strengthening the UFOologist's claims. Others claim they are approached on or the hat man hovers over the top of them, strengthening the scientific community's claim that hat man is experienced as sleep paralysis. The others claim to also see him during the daytime when they are awake and going about their day. Still other accounts state that they experiencing hat man during after or before a major trauma or traumatic event. This connection to Hatman would seem to suggest a spiritual or emotional-driven aspect to the shade or shadow figure not always accounted for. Although some have claimed he can attack, he usually just seems content to sit and watch over whomever he visits. Jumping back a bit, the Hatman seems to be hanging around areas where there are negative emotions taking place such as households that have experienced domestic abuse, fighting, or depressed family members. Some people believe the hat man is a demon sent to bring those who are about to die to hell. Oh. And that's how my mom, like, brought him up. She's like, you know, the hat man sits at the end of people's beds when they're, like, about to die. Oh. I was like, oh. I didn't ask her how she knew about this. I should ask her. You should. Cheryl, this is interesting. Cheryl, next time you listen to my <laughs> iPod. <laughs> Tell me how you know about this. Author Heidi Hollis may be able to back that up with a story about a German soldier, a story a German soldier told her about witnessing Hatman, asking who he was and being told Scratch, an old nickname for the devil. Hollis also recounted the story of a suicidal man who woke to find himself in the hospital and the Hatman close by. According to the story, the hat man quickly disappeared after the man woke up, but not before saying, I almost had you. (gasps) Physical accounts of hat man are that he appears with male defined characteristics. Hat man is completely is a completely dark entity, most similar to what people could more easily identify as a shadow person. Hat man wears a fedora or some type of long brimmed hat. Hatman appears to be wearing some type of coat, often described as a trench coat. Some accounts say he has glowing red eyes. However, most people say, much like his clothing, his face is obscured. They can make out a general outline of where he's located. There have also been reports that Hatman carries a gold watch attached by his chain to his belt and will occasionally look at it. People can usually feel when they're being watched, and a gaze from the Hatman is no exception. Many have noted a very dark energy emanated from him and said they immediately knew he was extremely evil and very likely wanted to kill them. Some get the feeling that Hatman is enjoying their fear and actually feeding off of it. It's possible, however, that since people who witness Hatman are usually already in a fearful, angry, or other emotionally charged state thanks to whatever negative thing is going on in their life, they associate Hatman with their negative feelings. Mm-hmm. Because he appears in so many different situations and occasionally to several people in the same family, there isn't really a clear explanation if he's truly evil and why he appears to so many people. 
although the hat man can seemingly appear at any time of day in any location. Many encounters people recount have taken place in bedrooms with a large amount of sightings occurring in basements. Oh, <laughs> I already hate basements. So you got to put that into it. Does your house have a basement? Yes, and I hate it. My parents' house, like the house that I grew up in for the most of my life, has a basement, but then it has a crawl space. Ooh. And I used to like, take my friends in there to like just play. And I had this like creepy little piano in there. Why are you and the I mean, used to like go in, the in there and like play the piano? And my best friend Paige will still bring up like why I'm like why on earth I would go under there and play that creepy piano. You know, like those little kids you see in horror movies that do weird things and you're like, why would that child do that? That's so creepy. Well, Rochelle is that child. <laughs> On brand for me. I think. <laughs> <laughs> so what happens when you have an only child? Oh, no. They gotta like find ways to entertain themselves and sometimes it's creepy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Why this is the case isn't entirely clear. But since many basements are dark and scary to begin with, it makes sense. Considering many encounters with the hat man take place when the person visited is about to go to sleep or has just woken up or is already asleep, the hat man appearing in a bedroom makes sense too. Lots of witnesses have met the hat man when they were children and kept the stories to themselves for many years, either because they didn't want to be thought of as crazy or they didn't rationally believe the story themselves. Yeah. Shelley Adler, a medical anthropologist at the University of California, San Francisco. The University of California is in San Francisco, which is in California, right? Yes. Strange. We don't have like the University of Ontario or like. Most of our states have like, like there's University of Michigan or Michigan State University. There's West Virginia University. We have like cities like University of Toronto. Gotcha. Yeah, most so of like, those aren't cities, are states. Not, not like prob. I don't think. Resting. Shelley Adler, um, a medical anthropologist at the University of California, became interested in cultural origins of nightmares in four years spanning the late 1970s and early 1980s. Eighteen seemingly healthy Hmong men living in the U.S., perished suddenly in their sleep. <gasps> Almost 100 more deaths followed in the next decade before tapering off. Oh. Doctors described their deaths to the condition with the alarming name of sudden and explained, sudden, sudden unexpected slash unexplained nocturnal death syndrome, oh. or SUNS for short. In the years since, researchers have theorized that many SUNS deaths are caused by Brugada syndrome, a genetic condition more common in people of Southeast Asian descent that carries irregular heartbeats and increases the risk of sudden death. Huh. But in the Philippines, Thailand, and Laos, and other places where such deaths were slightly more common, sons had a different name that often translated as some variation of nightmare or nightmare death syndrome. Oh, that's terrifying. The name suggested that it was the dream itself that killed people. In an effort to understand Hmong interpretations of these deaths, 
Adler interviewed Hmong refugees living in Stockton, California. When asked about common nightmares, men and women described a figure called Da Cho. Luckily, they told me how to pronounce that one because it, it nice. does not look like that. <laughs> it looks like Dab to Sog. <laughs> da Cho, an evil spirit that visited sleepers at night, pressed upon their chests and attempted to smother them as they slept. Almost all of the interviewees were familiar with Dacho. 58% reported having been visited by the nightmare themselves. When faced with the unknown, humans tend to reach for the closest culturally available explanation. If you can't account for time and have long been interested in contact with aliens, then an alien abduction might seem like a possible answer. If you wake up afraid and breathless at night and you live in a society where more than half of the people you know have reported having an evil spirit sit upon their chests as they sleep, an evil spirit is a logical explanation for your own experience. Yeah. The more people report such experiences, the easier they are to accept. The primary disseminator of these experiences is the internet. People who have nightmares outside of a cultural framework of understanding draw upon a contemporary narrative interpreting their experiences such as one derived from medicine or psychiatry, for example, heart disease or mental illness, religion, demons, or the paranormal, including alien abductions. So now I have some more stories involving the hat man. Okay. My in brackets, now ex-boyfriend, always talked about these shadow people. He saw the top hat man and the man in the fedora, he always said the top hat man came to warn him of awful things that were going to happen. I, of course, thought he was a psycho and dismissed it. <laughs> Two months later, I started to see the man in the hat next to our bed. Ew. He would lean over me. <gasps> Anyways, my boyfriend ended up violently assaulting several girls. I read somewhere that he may show up if you're in the presence of an evil person or dangerous environment. I also saw a different shadow man in the middle of of the road in the car at night with him oh. i explained his appearance to my boyfriend he immediately he explained immediately that this man came when death occurred ironically i went to a doctor's visit the next day and was informed i had a miscarriage that night Aww. since we broke up i haven't seen a shadow people since all right another one i saw him at 18 years old in my room after a particularly traumatic experience I woke up at an incredibly late hour, probably two or three. I didn't check something was off. I was speaking in a language I've never heard. Oh. I was speaking to what I can only describe as a young girl or something with a body type of young girl, perhaps 14 in a dress. I couldn't make out her features, but I can make out her eyes and her mouth, which could only be described as sharp looking, like a human piranha or something. Oh. She was whispering something in my ear and, and I was replying in this strange language. But it wasn't just the shadow girl. My bed was surrounded by tall, dark figures, which I can uh, make, the fig- make out the features of. Perhaps four of them, not counting the girl. They sat motionless and watched me, but the most striking figure was a tall man in a wide-brimmed hat standing in the corner of my room. I could feel as if he was amused, no more amused than the others. Each time the girl whispered in my ear, I let out a reply of which I didn't understand 
and the man in the hat would be delighted. You think that one would be scared of this sort of encounter, but it felt familiar. I felt rather warm as if I were surrounded by old friends or family. She thought it was nice to see an old friend too. So weird. I forgot to add that I was researching this encounter and came across a startlingly startlingly similar account. The person had an almost identical experience, minus taking talking in another language, or at all for that matter. And the little girl was yelling into their ear, opposed to whispering as she was for me. Very strange. Mm. While living on base in Anchorage, Alaska, I saw a tall man in my bedroom twice. One night, I woke up to who I thought was my husband standing at the foot of our bed. I called out my husband's name and heard him groan next to me. Oh, God. I quickly looked at my husband, then back to the figure, but it had vanished. About a week later, I woke again to see a tall man standing next to the bed on my husband's side. This time, I could see that the man appeared to be wearing a top hat and a trench coat. I saw my husband laying next to me, so I knew it wasn't him. A few seconds passed, and one of my dogs woke and began to growl in the direction of the figure. The figure then swung his coat over himself and disappeared. I have not seen him since. I later described the incident to my parents and told me as a child, I would see a figure walking outside our house that I named Trenchcoat Man. Oh my gosh. Hello, my name is Jennifer Chin from Versailles, M.O. State, what state is M.O.? Missouri. Okay. I have been haunted by the Top Hat Man since 1982. The haunting began when I was just eight years old. My mother had just married my stepfather, who was very abusive, and we moved there. We moved from Missouri to Texas to begin our lives with him. I began seeing figures at the end of my bed, and two were pleasant and one not so much. Let me explain my first recollection of the Top Hat Man. My stepfather wanted to take a photo of me and my then three-year-old cousin. We were standing in front of a sliding glass patio door with a sheer curtain covering it. It was daylight outside with full sun. My stepfather had my cousin and I stand together as he took a Polaroid photo of us. When the photo developed, it was dark with clouds slash smoke in the middle. And in the middle was a man wearing a top hat and a trench coat. Obviously, at first we thought this may have been captured from the television. However, we weren't watching TV at the time. This was a Polaroid captured photo with instant results, with no ability for Photoshop. It doesn't help that the house we lived in had strange events that occurred, and the previous owners left in a hurry, leaving valuables behind. Oh. We heard strange noises in the attic and ceiling fans that turn on and off, along with the window air conditioner units while being unplugged. There's one event that left us speechless. My three-year-old cousin wanted to brush her teeth and she was too short to reach the counter in the bathroom. My mother told her she could use her closet mirror in the bedroom. My cousin came out of the bedroom and said, the baby in the mirror took my toothbrush. I hate that. I hate that so much. We searched the house for the toothbrush, couldn't find it. My mother then told my cousin to ask the baby in the mirror to give it back. And she walked out with the toothbrush. <laughs> Oh my God. We moved from the house, and eventually, my mother had the courage to leave my abusive stepfather, and we moved back to Missouri in 1983. 
The home we moved to was a two-story home with a basement. I always felt uneasy about the home and chalked it up to trauma after leaving my stuff. I would have dreams of being in the basement and I would feel this heaviness behind me. When I would turn around, I would see the top hat man. I couldn't breathe and I would pass out from his presence. I had this dream too many times to count. We lived in that house. When I would tell my mother, she would tell me that it was trauma from the photo that was taken of my cousin and I, and he wasn't real. Let's fast forward to 2012. I'm married with two teenage children. My daughter was 16 years old. I was a deputy for a sheriff's office. I had drank an energy drink at the beginning of my shift of approximately 1600 hours, four o'clock. I kept feeling a weird heartbeat. And at the end of my shift, I drove to our ambulance base and asked them to check me over. I was transported to the hospital and diagnosed with pre-ventricular contractions, harmless. I had no way home and had to call my daughter to pick me up from the hospital. I told her I was okay, but I needed a ride home. She said, mom, I'm so thankful you called and are okay. I was having this horrible dream. She said, I had this dream that this guy in a trench coat and a top hat was chasing me and my brother. I never told her any stories about my experience with the top hat man up to that point. Once I began to tell her about the top hat man on her way home, she was terrified. She's had dreams of the top hat man several times, but hasn't seen him since she's been grown. Let's fast forward to 2016. I was speaking to my infamous cousin who is now grown. I'm not sure how the conversation came up. However, <laughs> I began telling her about the top hat man and all the strange occurrences that have happened over the years. She began to tell me that she has taken several pictures of her children and she will capture the top hat man in photos. She has numerous photos with him in them. She never knew about the Polaroid photo or the baby in the mirror occurrence that happened many years ago. Fast forward to 2018. I was in conversation with a sales rep at a local cell phone store provider. A man had died several years earlier in her home, and it was quite the extraction, extrication to move him from the home. As a deputy in the county, I was aware of the details surrounding the man's death. She began telling me how she's seen the top hat man in her home. <laughs> she said she would be in the basement and feel a dark presence if she could see the top hat man at the top of the stairs. Uh. Although I haven't seen the top hat man since my youth, somehow still is with me and my family. I must have been six or seven years old when it started. It was the early 1980s. I lived in San Diego, California at that time. We lived in an average house in an average neighborhood. I was an imaginative child and I always enjoyed make-believe. It's no wonder that my family didn't believe me when I began to tell them that there was a man who stood in my doorway at night. I remember waking up night after night, terrified as I saw him there. Just writing this makes me sick to my stomach. He was just in a hat and a long coat. I never saw his face or even the color of his clothing. I could see his shape from my nightlight in the darkness. He never passed the threshold on my bedroom door, but he stood there for what felt like forever. Mm -hmm. I would just sit in my bed and stare at him. My body racked with fear. So scared I could not scream or cry. Terrified that if I moved or turned my eyes away, he would come and get me. Once he left, I would run to my sister's room and crawl in bed with her. This became a nightly occurrence and went on for years. 38 years later, I happened to be watching a documentary about nightmares and saw that other people have seen the same man. 
Oh my god! I cannot believe it. I still can't. Can you imagine that? Like just sitting there watching them being like, oh uh, my god. I know, right? Why me and no one else in my home? I still shudder when I think of this. For all of the others who have shared in this horror, you are not alone. And that is the story of the hat man. I hated it and loved it. <laughs> <laughs> so I used a couple resources. SinisterCoffeeandCreamery.com. Oh, I love that. <laughs> the, theweek.co.uk, ranker.com, qz.com, and of course the dot com, which is still regularly uploaded with new stories from people who have seen the hat man. Oh, that's so creepy. It kind of reminds me of the um like the death omen of like the black dog. Yeah. At the end of the bed before somebody dies. Yeah, I was kind of thinking of like those cats that can like sniff out who's gonna die next at nursing homes, you know? Yeah. Except I'd yeah, rather have no, a cat. Yeah, like, lay then... sit with them until they, yeah. they go. Yeah, so my mom was saying that she, she's like, yeah, I think that's, like, the tall hat man. And, like, a lot of times will be seen in, like, hospitals and somebody who's, like, about to die. So kind of like a reaper. Yeah. 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 crazy. Very interesting. So thanks, Mom. Mimi. Yeah, thank you for that. That was awesome. Mama. Mama. That was awesome. Uh, For that one. Now let's find some jokey joke. Two men broke into a drugstore and stole all of the Viagra. The police put out an alert to be on the lookout for two hardened criminals. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> How do you make a pool table laugh? How? Tickle its balls. Oh. <laughs> Why does Snoop Dogg carry an umbrella? Drizzles. For drizzles. Oh, drizzle. For dr- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What do you call a pony with a sore throat? A little horse. Yeah, a little horse. Did you hear about the constipated accountant? He couldn't <laughs> budget, so he had to work it out with a paper and a pencil. Oh, no. <laughs> <sighs> Why does a mermaid wear seashells? Why? Because she outgrew her bee shells. <laughs> What do you call someone who refuses to fart in public? What? A private tutor. Okay, now let's find one that's like safe for work. Although we never said this is family friendly. <laughs> what did one wall say to the other? Mimi at the corner? Yeah. <laughs> well i think we've uh tortured our audience with enough horrible jokes <laughs> hold on i found, I found some more okay <laughs> why can't you hear a psychiatrist using the bathroom why because the pee is silent <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> that's enough I that's think. enough torture <laughs> yep. Well, if you want more of us lovely ladies, you can find us on historiesandmysteries.ca. We're also on Instagram and uh, Facebook, Histories and Mysteries Podcast. And please feel free to rate and review us if you like us. If you don't like us, then don't rate and review us. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And if you've seen the hat man. Yes. If you are the hat man. (laughs) If you are the watcher. Maybe the watcher is the hat man. Maybe. Either way, call us, please.
Well, we look forward to bringing you two new stories next week. Bye. Bye.